Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. I think people gravitate towards long format content too much. I think there's this notion, mostly when you're starting a new entity, that you need to deep dive and get into the weeds and explain every last detail. I need long blog posts and white papers and ebooks, as opposed to I'm going to give people the right amount of information in the time length that they want to spend consuming it. Welcome, Benjamin, to the podcast. So excited to finally chat. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm a huge fan of uh, of your work and of your podcast. So thanks for having me as your guest. I want to get started and start out. How did you get into marketing? My background, I guess I studied marketing in college is the, uh, the, the short answer. Um, I was in a general education program at Boston University and decided I wanted to make money for a living. So I went into the business school and then they make you pick a concentration and uh, finance seemed too numbery for me. Marketing just seemed like the right blend of art and science. And so I started in college and then kind of went into sales first job out of college and work my way back into marketing and built a career out of it. But it started off early in my education. You have been scaling podcasts for a while now. I want to go into the topic of podcasts because I know a lot of people are starting podcasts. I know a lot of podcasts, podcasts is becoming like a thing that everybody wants to do. Now it started slow and now everybody's trying to get into it. But I want to go into the how you think about starting a podcast from the beginning and then how to scale a podcast is the second quick. I'll start with my story of how I got into podcasting, which as all great stories do starts with, I had too many drinks at a party and uh, I was a little overserved and got into a lift. And back in the day, you used to, when you were feeling talkative, sit in the front seat of the car. And so I started chatting with my lift driver And I was asking him where he was from. He had a thick Asian accent, and he said he was from North Korea. And so I assumed that he just didn't have mastery of the language, and he meant South Korea. Again, I was a little drunk. Uh, And he's like, no, I'm from North Korea. I defected from North Korea. I escaped through China. I got caught. I got put into a prison camp. I escaped again. And the second time, I was able to get to South Korea and then defected to the United States. And I was like so taken back by his story that I was like, you have to tell this to the world. This is right after Serial launched. I was going to make an episodic thing. And he uh, came over to my house a couple days later and I had to like, while he was on the way, go buy some microphones, plug them into my laptop and figure out how to record a podcast because I promised him I would turn his story into a show. And uh, it ended up being called the A Long Road Home Podcast, which is still live in all major podcast players. So you know, my story for starting a podcast was very much figure it out yourself. It was an art project for me. And to me, our focus, at least at at I Hear Everything, the company I run now, is not about 
figuring out how to master every little last nuance and detail and make sure that we have the fanciest microphones and expensive offices. It's kind of the, anybody can have a podcast that is minimally viable to be professional with a USB microphone. What you need to do to have a great podcast is not over-science it. It's to do it consistently and regularly and have the process to enable you to create high volumes of interesting content for people that want to listen to what you have to say. Um, so getting into podcasting, you know, in general is starts with the topic and, and the content marketing stuff more than it is the like, what app do I use or what microphone do I get? You got to figure out what you want to say and who you want to say it to first. I want to just go deeper into that. So say I, I have a topic like I want to talk about marking operations. Mm-hmm. Where do I go from there? How do I think about starting the show? What are the, the elements to even starting besides the mic and all that good stuff? Having the ability to record is obviously very important. There's Riverside, which we're talking through right now. I use Squadcast, which is another cloud recording software. Um, There's Anchor as well. You can pick any of the websites. They all kind of do the same thing. They're all relatively good. Good enough. Plug a USB microphone and record a Zoom. Not super complicated. My advice for people that are starting podcasts is what you want to do is you want to record six weeks of content before you actually publish anything. I've found that relatively short form content tends to be the content that gets consumed the most when you're talking about a dense subject. If you're talking about marketing operations, you probably don't want a Joe Rogan style three hour podcast because people are just going to have a hard time following it when you get that much into the weeds about something that they're just not interested in that much. Even the marketing ops people don't want to hear about marketing ops for three hours. So figure out what your duration is going to be. We're going to do daily 15-minute episodes. All right, well, you know, for our shows, we do five days a week. That's five episodes. If they're all going to be 15 minutes, we need 75 minutes of content. And I want to have six weeks of content recorded before I publish anything. Where people pod fade, which is they start a podcast and then they decide it's too much work, is when they are doing both the content production, the publishing, and the marketing of a show at the same time. If you're focused on, I have to record today's episode so I can publish it tomorrow so the next day I can market it, and you're always in this sort of rat race, hamster wheel, it becomes incredibly challenging. So get ahead in your content production so when you launch the show, you only have to record one week's worth of content in a week, and you can focus on marketing more than you are just figuring out who your next guest is going to be. That's great advice. I think... Even for me, when I started, I did what you said. Um, I did not do the six weeks, and it was a struggle to get do an episode, then go publish it, make sure I write all the show notes, and then make sure it gets published. And then I was not on the most consistent schedule, but I decided I could get a podcast out a week. But now I'm on the the bucket of let's have six episodes ahead every single time. So I'm never, even if I have I get sick a week or something like that, I'm never behind an episode or I, I have episode bank that I can always pull from. Yeah. When we are launching shows for our clients, we always say we're going to record 
12 interviews before we actually publish anything. And in each interview, we're getting on average two and a half episodes, and that gives us six weeks of content. So when you go into, I'm going to start a podcast, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're a football fan, but yeah, I play um, college football. football so definitely football. There you go. All right. So head coaches script out the first drive. They know that they're going to run, then pass, then run, then pass, then run. And, you know, maybe they deviate from the script at some point, but they try to get the team to know what their first 10 plays are going to be. That's basically the same process here. If you know you have six weeks of good content that you can publish, when you publish, all you have to focus on is sharing the, the word that your podcast has launched and getting the guests that you have to share that content with you. And that builds in some of the marketing vehicles that you need to get your show off the ground. So one of the things your your agency focuses on is one is how to is scaling content really fast. You have a one person team that does that, and I want to dig into that a little bit. How is one person producing twenty episodes a week, and how did you set up this automation and the street workflow to do that? I'm the only employee of I Hear Everything. I am not the only person that works on the podcast. Right now, we have four daily shows. And each show has contractors and freelancers that are basically task workers that understand what they're supposed to do when it's their turn to do their task. So the example is we built out a bunch of automation that allows somebody to fill out an application. I go through and I approve the application and it gets sent to our communication manager who then go goes and sends our email scripts to the person who applied saying, hey, you've been accepted to be on this podcast and here's the link to schedule. The meeting then hops onto my calendar and I have to show up and record the interview. After I record the interview, I'm done with that episode. I don't touch it. I don't look at it. I don't see it until somebody writes me and says, you know, they need something or, you know, it gets published. But the process once I'm done is it gets handed to an editor who goes and cleans up the audio and makes sure that we have all the right ad units and all of the right, you know, sounding sound effects. When the editor is done editing the content and make sure that we've got a good sounding podcast, he hands it to a copywriter who then summarizes it, does show notes and quotes, who then hands it to a publishing assistant who then takes the episodes, uploads it into all of our systems, and then it goes back to our communications person who is saying, hey, your episodes have been edited. They're ready for publication. Here's all the information that you need to be able to promote it. And all that contact goes back to the person who applied originally and is my guest. It was a tremendous amount, years worth of work to build out our podcast production automation service. But what that's allowed us to do is be able to take advantage of the economics of geography. I can go hire an editor for $15 in Mexico or in the Philippines who is a native English speaker that does a great job, and I could lower the cost of all of my production, and I don't actually have to do that work manually. So I'm able to not only do my two podcasts, but also do client podcasts as well by replicating this system that we've built, which is very sort of formulaic in an assembly line fashion of when the audio is edited, hand it to the editor. When the editor is done, hand it to the copywriter. Copywriter, back to the publisher. Publisher, back to the communications person. That's like the best way I feel like because with Workweek, 
with my podcast, I I usually like scheduling. This is one automation thing I don't do, but I usually like scheduling the guests on my podcast. But once I show up, I don't do anything until like the podcast is published and I, I know it's published. So I love that way of setting this up. And this is what people should either use your service or if you're trying to scale a process, having a good process, a podcast, having a good process is is so needed if you want to get to the four or five episode a week mark. Podcast is content marketing and it's audio, which adds a little bit of complexity. Uh, but in general, you know, whether you're trying to be big in social and you want to be an influencer or whether you're writing a blog or whether you're doing YouTube videos, the, the process is very consistent. You need to have a content archive. You need to have the ability to share that content with people that are interested in it. You got to have a marketing vehicle. So you need to be able to communicate to the people that are potentially interested in the content. It sounds easy to say, hey, content marketing, you produce some content, you market it and you wait and it grows over time. Uh, in reality, you need consistency and you need to publish and you need to have a niche. And if you can figure out how you fit into the overall landscape and have a you know an ICP, somebody that's interested in hearing what you want to say, uh, you're already a leg up against the competition. So one of the, the biggest challenges I hear from a bunch of podcast hosts and people who start podcasts is, is growth how do I grow my podcast? And I know you're working on that right now. So what are some ways that people could invest in growing their podcast? I think that there's four ways to think about podcast growth. All of them work and you don't have to do any of them. You don't have to do all of them. Uh, organic, viral, paid, and partnerships. So organic is producing a high volume of content. So when somebody is in, in this example, the podcast app store, and they're searching for what's probably going to be a tail term, something that's relatively specific, your episodes show up. If somebody's looking for how to do organic growth in a podcast, I might have four or five episodes that have the word organic growth and podcast in them. So I've got a good shot for somebody to find one of my episodes. Virality is, you know, for examples like this, I'm going to be your guest. I'm going to share this podcast and I'm going to help share it with my audience. It builds virality. I don't think podcast growth in terms of virality is a million people just stumbled on my podcast by luck. I think it's about getting the people that are working on the episodes with you to share it. Paid, there's all sorts of great channels to be able to buy things like podcast downloads or followers in different uh, podcast app players. And we rely a lot on seeding our audience, mostly when we have episodes we really like, paying to get them out there. So people are listening to the episodes that we feel like are our best work. And it gives somebody an example. You're basically pushing your content out to people that are your targeted listeners. And then the last one is partnerships. You know, uh, I have a relationship with Workweek. You guys are doing some amazing things in the marketing space, in podcasting in general. And by building that relationship, you and I met and now I'm a guest on your podcast. Right? I might have a relationship. Uh, HubSpot is the presenting sponsor of the MarTech podcast. And they've got pages that help promote my podcast. And so, you know, building those relationships and sort of networking your way into other placements for your content is a great growth channel as well. I love the virality thing because I think 
one thing that has changed in the last two years of podcasting is the explosion of short form content and short form content that is being produced on like YouTube shorts and TikTok and stuff like that. And if you have a good guest that has a present maybe on TikTok or YouTube or has a face that you might see, you have a higher chance of your TikTok getting caught by the the algorithm and then your podcast being seen. So there's also like this explosion of like, which is content marketing, but this is explosion of like now podcasts have the ability to chop up all these clips and make organic content. And that's one of your, your specialties of is organic content. So what is your, your thoughts on this explosion of short form content and how are you using it? It's the Gary Vification of podcast content. And and it's not just podcasting. You take your long format content and you break it down into shorter form pieces and you put them in places where they're going to get attention with the hopes that they drive traction back to the longer format stuff. It's a great way to get awareness. I think it can be very challenging to move people from platform to platform, right? If you have an audience then you can migrate them if they're on those platforms. So if people listen to me in my podcast, and then all of a sudden I decide that I'm going to start TikToking, uh, my audience will hopefully follow me to TikTok. I think that that's if they're already there. Getting people from TikTok that don't know who I am into a podcast is more challenging. And so a lot of it has to do you know, virality. If you can build an audience, that audience will travel. But you have to build an audience first to get them to migrate. I think it's very challenging to build discrete, unique audiences in different channels. And honestly, all of these different channels, you mentioned TikTok, you know, YouTube, Instagram, they all have a little bit of a different profile. So you got to make content that is specifically relevant to the audience in those networks. So audio-only content doesn't necessarily fit into YouTube. Right. So now I have to record something that's video, but my YouTube video is going to be different than my TikTok video because in TikTok, I need attention in the first one second. In YouTube, maybe people will watch the you know opening 30 seconds before they make a judgment on whether they're going to stay engaged or not. So when you're thinking about, well, I'm just going to have a podcast and I'm going to use it to grow all these different social channels, it's not necessarily that simple. But if you have an audience in one of those channels, you can cross promote what you're doing on the other channel and start to see more lift. Yeah, I think that's a good clarification. I think the audience thing, because I also think people like consuming content in different formats. Some people like enjoy video more than they like audio or they like written word more than they like audio. So there's a reason why they're consuming it on that platform in that time. And it's harder to get them to a platform that is not their way of enjoying consuming content. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I started with the podcast because I felt like I was a better speaker than I am a writer. Turns out without Grammarly, I am not very polished. And, uh, that always led me into one medium. Now there's definitely people that are interested in MarTech that are want newsletters. They want blog posts. So 
you know, we could try to shoehorn our podcast into being a newsletter instead, because that just didn't feel like my core competence, didn't feel like something my organization really focused on or was very good at. We just partnered with somebody that had a great MarTech newsletter and we share our audience with them and they share our audience with us. And it ended up being a great partnership. Again, that fourth way to grow an audience. It doesn't mean that you have to produce content in every channel. Um, sometimes you can partner your way and have, you know, our sister property, the MarTech Weekly, that's our newsletter. And people love that newsletter. And hopefully they love our podcast as well. The best way I found to promote things are on the same channel that you're doing that type of content. So if you're doing a newsletter, promoting a newsletter in a newsletter is a great way to get more subscribers. You are a good marketer. It's easier to find people that want to listen to a marketing podcast in a podcast app because you know you've hit 50% of the targeting criteria. You need to find marketers that listen to podcasts. Well, if you're in the podcast app, I know you're a podcast listener. Now I just need to find the marketers. You're 100% right. Marketing to people where they consume your content makes a ton of sense. What is a marketing hill you would die on? I think people gravitate towards long format content too much. I think there's this notion, mostly when you're starting a new entity, that you need to deep dive and get into the weeds and explain every last detail. I need long blog posts and white papers and ebooks, as opposed to I'm going to give people the right amount of information in the time length that they want to spend consuming it. And so to me, the sort of short form content revolution, mostly in podcasting, our content is relatively short. We do like 15 minute episodes and I feel good about that. You know, I think that that's something that I, I just want to produce content that is the right length and format that the people want to listen to. So they keep coming back. Yeah. And I, like what I think you said in the beginning of the podcast, it always is either topic dependent and also how good is that person at that channel of engaging an audience for a long period of time? Joe Rogan has crushed that and he has the interesting guests so he can do a three-hour episode. He's the exception, not the rule, right? And Joe Rogan and marketing podcasts are different, you know? <laughs> this is the same thing I have about like written form thing, content. If you're not the best writer that can keep someone scrolling down the page for a long period of time and keep them entertained line by line, you probably should stick with short form content until you learn how to do that for with longer form content. Yeah. Can I die on two hills here? People that want to be content creators should make content in the format that they feel comfortable with. It's really easy for everyone to say, well, TikTok is the big growth channel, so I need to be on TikTok. But if you're not good at creating short form videos that can grab someone's attention in the first two seconds, you're not going to be very successful at TikTok. Maybe you're a great writer and you should be writing for the New York Times. When I started gravitating in my career towards just being accepting of the things that I was good at and had natural talent for, I started to feel and, and see some data that showed me I was more successful. When you're trying to be somebody that you're just inherently not, you're not going to have great success. Go, go be you. 
I'm 100% on that that length. I think when I started creating content, I started on LinkedIn and that's because I felt more comfortable that I was a better writer. Podcasts were more of a way for me to break my mold and be more more comfortable. I'm okay with having one-on-one conversations. I'm not okay with being on video. That's why I never did video content. I was going to ask you about that, whether we're on video or not. I was, I'll <laughs> go put hilarious. a shirt yeah, on. Yeah, just, it's just, that's the best advice I, I think people mistake is like, there's channels that you should be on, but there's also, are you a good creator on that channel? Are you comfortable doing that type of content or not? And it's apparent if you're not a good writer and trying to write long form content. Life's too short. Forget whether you're going to get good results or not. I didn't want to be on video all of the time when I started the MarTech podcast because it just made me feel a little uncomfortable. And I don't want to be uncomfortable every day when I go to work. And I don't want a bad hair day to be documented for all of time. I always felt pretty comfortable in my voice and I feel like this was my natural talent. So I'm just trying to play to my strengths here. And, you know, it's not just about, well, maybe I could be more famous or richer if I were on TikTok. Maybe this is just me. Like, I don't care that much. I just... I want to be happy doing what I'm doing and I want to feel like I'm doing a good job and the results tend to come from that. And, uh, you know, maybe that's just my personal preference. That's why that's the hill I'll die on. One thing that we've said in this podcast, but I think it correlates a lot to why it's important to create in the format that you're comfortable with is that consistency wins out in the long run and the way to be consistent is making it easier for you to be consistent. And the way to do that is, and if you can't show up and if writing's not easy for you, it's going to be hard to dominate the say LinkedIn. You're just not going to want to do it at once. Once the enthusiasm of starting the project wears off, it's just going to be you and the typewriter uh, or keyboard in this case. And that's something that you really got to pay attention to is if you're going to do content and you're going to do it for a long time. You have to enjoy doing it. Uh, Year, what was it? I don't know. We've been doing the MarTech podcast for like five or six years. So probably year two or three, year three or four, we started really focusing. I started really focusing on building out the automation infrastructure and focusing on that process. You know, to me, there's kind of a script that people follow where they get real excited about a project, they put heart and soul, and they get all the sort of basic infrastructure of content thought out, and they do a great job, and they probably produce content that's too long when they first start. And then they lose enthusiasm and care a little bit less, so they start getting more routine in the type of content they're publishing, which doesn't make it bad. It just means it's relatively the same. You're not doing a bunch of custom stuff. And then after that, if you're still going, you start to realize that this process seems to work. And then they get into documentation and automation. And I think that, you know, having done the same podcast for six years, I've interviewed hundreds of people in the MarTech industry. And it's always interesting to have the conversations, but the process is the same. And I don't have to do any of the manual work that I did on day one because we documented it, automated it, and handed it to outsourced labor to kind of do the mundane tasks that I didn't want to do. And so I think that a lot of podcasters go through that. Yeah. And I also think that's just a great tip for automation in general is learn how to do it great manually first. 
document that process, then automate it instead of trying to automate it from the beginning when you don't know how to do it manually first. You said it more eloquently than I'm going to. If it's a pain in the ass, have somebody else do it. I think you should double down on things that you're you're great at and like doing, and then it makes processes really easy and fun to do and keeps you doing a podcast for six years not and probably for years more because you found the parts that you don't like and you hand it off to people who are probably better than you or like doing it more than you like doing it. Yeah, in terms of the writers, they're definitely better than I am. <laughs> One last question I have for you is if somebody came up to you today, a new marketer, and you were going to give them advice for starting in marketing, what's a piece of advice you would give them that they will come back a few years later and thank you for? I would say that you can't focus or be too dependent on paying your way into customer growth. And so performance marketing is great. We do a ton of performance marketing. We pay for downloads. We you know, buy listeners all of the time. But the biggest, most successful brands in the world focus on brand marketing. Coca-Cola, Apple, you name it, right? Those are companies that are not sitting there spending all of their money on Facebook and Google. They're building their own brand. They're getting first-party data sources, and they have lots of partnerships that help them distribute. We're not all going to be Apple and Coca-Cola, but the sooner that you can get started building content that's going to help you get lower your cost for acquisition and build sustainable growth, the more successful you're going to be over the long haul. Now, when you're first starting, you got to buy your first users. But the sooner that you can start going with your content, even if it doesn't feel like it's paying off initially, when you write your first blog post, nobody reads it. And then the next day, nobody reads it. And the next day, one person reads it. And the next day, it's two and then three and four and five. And it escalates over time. You're building something that you can depend on as opposed to pay for over time. So get started building your first party data sources, your organic growth strategies early. And then you won't be reliant on paid when you have to really manage your budgets down the road. You said that you crushed that because I think a lot of people invest in paid marketing because it can give you a quick user or a quick customer or a quick X, Y, and Z. But uh, you're seeing it now with people budgets getting cut and paid spend going down. If you don't have a brand, it's so much harder to do everything else, like go outreach for sales reps, put your content out there, have another channel to rely on without spending, which is organic. It's so much harder to do marketing, even demand gen without a great brand. Um, so I think that's a great, great advice. Your performance marketing is candy. A quick burst of energy. It tastes good. Your content marketing strategies, your organic growth and your brand building, that's eating your chicken and your broccoli. Right, That's going to help you grow and be strong over the long haul. And honestly, there's a time and a place for all of it, but just don't eat candy. Yeah, don't eat candy all the time. It's good to get those quick bursts and enjoy life sometimes. But like you said, the most sustainable thing to make your your body healthy is eating those the chicken and vegetables. Um, 
lastly is where can people find you, your podcast, and anything else you're doing? The company's name is I Hear Everything. So you can go to IHearEverything.com. Uh, all of my personal socials are under Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And the podcast that I'm the host of on a daily basis is the MarTech podcast. So MarTechPod.com, or you can just search MarTech and we're the first listing in any of the app stores. Well, thank you so much for joining. And everybody go listen to his pod. It's, it's a top, I don't know, five marketing podcast if i'm not mistaken we hit number one in marketing this month See, amazingly top, top one yeah top one so. but not that's not forever just we hit number one for that's for how that's how podcasting goes you you get that 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 quick candy fix of getting top 10 and then you drop we were number six in the business charts for like three hours and it was like the highlight of my year <laughs> that's hilarious. yeah i mean every time i drop under like the top 10 i'm like yes and then the next day it's like Oh, you're down 13 spots. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that was a. I just don't look the day after we. Exactly. Just take that screenshot and just live live by that screenshot. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been awesome. And for anybody who wants to start a podcast, go check out Benjamin's company and then also go listen to his podcast. It's a great one. All right, Daniel. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.